Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast, the practical how-to guide for women returning to the workforce, recent grads, and those looking to get the job of their dreams. Now, here's the founder of the Back to Business Women's Conference and your host, Katie Dunn. Hi, listeners, and welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. Today, I'm really excited to be speaking with the number one global voice for working moms, Christine Michelle Carter. Christine does a lot of different things. I'm going to let her do her own intro, but suffice it to say that between being a senior contributor to Forbes Women, the associate editor for Modern Mom, having her work published in Time and Parents, her partnership with Walmart, she is an extremely busy mom and woman and professional. So welcome, Christine, to the show, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. I'm excited. Awesome. I'm beyond excited to be talking to you today. And we'd love to just have you start out maybe by giving listeners kind of some background on who you are and what you're up to. Sure. So I am Christine Michelle Carter. I am a writer and marketing strategist. I do write as a senior contributor for Forbes Women about usually how mothers balance work and life. Uh, Spoiler alert, I don't think it's possible. I always say the only way you can have it all is to go to the grocery store and buy a bottle of all detergent. And you can't (laughs) even do that right now because we're in the middle of a pandemic. I also educate brands on how to talk to moms as consumers and how to retain them as talent in the workplace. I do support a number of different organizations, all under the umbrella of mental maternal health, and and that includes the physical and emotional and mental health of women during pregnancy, childbirth, and beyond. I have supported different initiatives under Senator Kamala Harris, soon to be Vice President Kamala Harris, um, the Department of Labor and the Chamber of Commerce on maternal and child care related issues. And I've created a global conference for Black moms, the State of Black Mothers in America, and that's the largest global conference for Black moms. And then I also run Mompreneur Me, which is the nation's first free Mommy and Me professional development event. And then I'm just the mother to the cutest kids on the planet. I always forget to say <laughs> Maya, who is nine, and, five, and Wes, who is five. Wow. Okay. It sounds like you are not bored ever. I am not bored. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's amazing. So there's so much here that I want to ask you about. Let's start with, you mentioned educating brands on how to talk to moms. First of all, I love that brands are really interested and trying hard to connect with moms. How do you advise brands on how to talk to moms? What are some of the big questions that come up and what are some of the pieces of advice you offer for connecting with moms? So probably the thing that comes up most is how do we talk to moms? And it really is that bird's eye, 50,000 feet view that a lot of the marketing executives give me. And I have to just go in with uh, very specific action items pertaining to either the products that they're offering or the services that they're offering. But 
the same thing that I preach time and time again is that my job, I feel like my job through my writing and through the consulting is to clarify misconceptions about moms and make sure I get it right and make sure I tell the story of our generation, millennials, our gender and our race and our hopes, our fears, our challenges, our everyday struggles as mothers and our wins and making sure that message is as empathetic and as uh, positive as possible when it comes from consumer brands. A lot of brands try and say, oh, millennials with kids, they'll still be selfish and entitled and lazy, or they go the opposite direction and show us as these Instagram influencers who are perfect and have the most pristine houses, which is also not true. We like balance. And I think of brands like Loves who show it and they get it. It's sometimes it's a, a cluster, you know what? And then other days it's, it's we've got it together. That's what resonates us with consumers. And I try to make sure that I reinforce that with brands that just telling the authentic and empathetic story of motherhood is really what these women are looking for. Mm-hmm. That's great. I, you mentioned a few of the stereotypes of millennials and I feel like ah, I'm so tired of hearing all of those things because yeah. every generation, when, you know, you try to label them or just group them and talk about them as though they're one way, but there's so much complexity in all of that mm-hmm. lumping every millennial mom into one category is so missing the mark. So I love that you're helping them to go deeper and, and keep it real. That's the other thing, like being very authentic and really keeping it real. When you talk about motherhood, yes, there are days when your things really click and work wonderfully. And there are days <laughs> when that is not the case. And yeah, important to, I think you uh, probably as a brand, they connect much better when they can show both sides of that coin, which is probably not easy to do. Especially right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I think, yeah. we're, I think we're on one side of the co- uh, coin more than the other right now with COVID. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. So let's talk about that. You have young kids. Are you doing virtual school? I am. I am. In fact, their first day of school, I also had to deal with my father who's ailing um, and being his caregiver and finding him permanent care. And I did save up for a nanny, understanding that COVID was going to, since I do global marketing, I knew it was going to take us out of the game because I'd seen what it did to China last year. But the nanny that I hired, no call, no showed on me. So I was scrambling on the first day of school to find a new nanny, find care for my father, take care of my father, and also handle the homeschooling uh, calls. So it was fun. It was oh, my fun. goodness. Oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's it, was a, it was a typical day for me, quite honestly. My days, it's motherhood. My days are hectic like that. I wrote that in Mom AF. That's like the first chapter. It starts off with a crazy, hectic day. So I, which brings me to a point, I think moms are the people who can handle anything. I'm not even going to debate that. Yeah. I know. I work with companies and women who are going back to work after taking a career break. And for my money, you are not going to find a better employee than someone who has spent time raising children, juggling everything that entails. And, and for many people started out juggling career and motherhood and maybe decided to take a break on the career side and 
focus on being home full time if they have the ability to make that choice. And then going back to the workforce and they sort of run into roadblocks as yeah, they're getting they back do. in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. And I always encourage those women who do run into those roadblocks to keep track of their accomplishments before they left the corporate world, but also to make sure that they're over communicating how they've caught up to speed with different processes and technologies, because that seems to be the great fear. And I have a little bit of an anecdotal, I guess, story to tell with regards to that. So a lot of folks feel like I don't really want to do a returnship with a mom, which is when the mothers come back to the workforce. I don't want to do one with them because I don't think that they really understand what it means to be, for example, in my industry, a digital marketer and can, marketer and can really understand all of the nuances of social media. What makes me laugh about that is my social media, some of my accounts are handled by my interns, but I have to, who are in college, who are Gen Z, but I have to still handle the Facebook because they do not know how to handle that social media platform. <laughs> yeah. And they are, and they will just be like, I don't know how to do it. I don't feel like doing it. And you can't, and a mother would never do that. <laughs> so it's like, right. really? Are, are we the ones who aren't willing to learn new skills or is it another generation? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a really good point because of course, with motherhood, there's no manual and nobody tells you how to do it. And so every day is a, let me figure this out today kind of day. And I just think that builds up in people such amazing resilience and initiative to go figure it out yourself. And you have to take a certain amount of risks because you're constantly making decisions for your family or your kids and you don't have all the perfect information in front of you. Like a lot of these things, they could relate very easily to business situations. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And you think about the fact that they just announced for the first time in Grand Slam history that there are three moms in the quarterfinals. And those women are giving statements about what it feels like to be a mother in the quarterfinals. And it's because they feel like they should be defined by motherhood. And God bless previous generations, but they spent so much time not bringing their authentic selves to work so that they could advance in the workplace. And so that my generation could be defined by motherhood in the workplace. I'm extremely thankful for that. Because without them making sacrifices, I wouldn't be able to say to my employer, I'm not going to work past six o'clock. You're not going to catch me working past six. And if it's something urgent, there's no reason why you can't wait. It can't wait until the next business day. That's because of the previous generations that allowing us to be defined by motherhood, uh, uh, allowing us to talk about the fact that motherhood provides us with more patience and more insight when we, re when we interact with people professionally, how it helps us solve problems professionally, how it shows leadership ability, how it shows we're willing to take on new opportunities and assess situations and look at all possible solutions because we have these little people who are our internal stakeholders. That's motherhood on a daily basis. And we have to set them up for success just like we would have to set up any corporation for success. So the skills that we acquire as mothers are undoubtedly transferable. Yes, I could not agree more. So tell me something, what are you teaching your daughter that you had to come by the hard way? Because you obviously have so much wisdom and life experience around this that you are able to advise, advise women, advise brands, work with companies on this. 
Is there something that as you raise your own daughter, you're thinking, I want to be sure she knows this from the beginning because I really had to learn this one the hard way. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's something that I had to learn the hard way. It's something I resisted. Bring your authentic self in all situations. And who cares if somebody doesn't approve of your authentic self, it's more so about you approving of your authentic self. So I grew up with a single mom who was a career executive and was no holds barred and intimidating to men and feared by women deal. And I always thought, why does she always bust balls wherever she goes? She's so determined, but so assertive and aggressive sometimes. And now being older, I realized that was her being standing in conviction and not compromising about who she was. And I think that's beautiful. If anything, I've I've come to see her as more beautiful um, than I saw her as a child because I am a mother now myself. But I just, I'm trying to remind my daughter that it's okay to be like me and it's okay to be like her grandmother. It does, you don't need to shrink in a room and I don't want her to ever shrink in a room. I always want her to bring her authentic self. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great wisdom there. And so along those lines, is there something that you are bringing up your son to know? Because I always feel like the conversation around women and equality in the workplace and at home and everywhere in the world is not just a conversation for women. We need the men on board with this one. So what is it that you are raising your son to know? Yeah. So I wrote about this for Harper's Bazaar because I was um, taken aback when he was watching Nickelodeon and they have like girl Sunday. And he was like, where's the boy Sunday? And I was like, you know what? You're right. Granted, I understand the need for the uh, promotion of a girl's Sunday and the advocacy that Nickelodeon is trying to show, but my five-year-old didn't sexually assault anybody. So he deserves to be celebrated and represented as much as his sister does. And I think that sometimes we hold the younger generation by, by, to the fire for things that the older generations did, the older men did. And I am all about teaching my son equality. I'm all about teaching him to be a gentleman with women. Um, I'm all about teaching him to see them as the amazing and beautiful creatures that they are. But I still try to hold a space for my son to be honored as well and to be respected as well. And that's very important for me because he's a black man but also because he's done nothing wrong. He, he's, not, he's not a sexual predator. He's not a gangbanger. There's, there are stereotypes he will be held to for his gender and his race for all of his life. And I just try to teach him to hold his head above them, like so many other Black moms do, I'm sure, with their sons. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a shame that, like, some kids are just starting out life with that held against them. Yeah, our boys are. Our boys are. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah, gosh. When you think about, like, the work of a mom, there's so much to it. There's, like, the basic necessities, but then there's the feeding the souls of our kids and making sure that they grow up knowing that they are an individual and should be valued as such and that they are respected and honored for who they are. Yes. So important. Early on in your intro here, you mentioned 
about being a working mom and that you can't have it all. And I want to touch on that because I think, I think we've heard like variations on that phrase. You can have it all. You just can't have it all at the same time. Or I like how you put it. The only way you can have it all is to go to the grocery store and buy some. (laughs) Right. It is not my goal to have it all. Uh, My goal is just to make other women understand that I know what they're going through and that they can always turn to me as a safe space to discuss everything that they're probably thinking I've wrote about. So that is first and foremost my goal. Um, That and to raise healthy and well-rounded and respected children Um, and children who respect others, and then to be happy and healthy myself, which admittedly I shouldn't put third, but I do. I have a horrible, I do a horrible job with self-care. But when it comes to balancing, I think balancing career and your personal life is a balance. Absolutely. It's like the scales of justice. I, I guess you can call that having it all, but you cannot have it all at the same time. Yes, it ebbs and flows. There are times when I have to step away from my computer. We, we are all seeing what it means to have it all right now in 2020 when mothers are stepping away from their computer to take care of kids. But at the same time, we have to have no communication times with our kids so that we can have conference calls. So that's, I think, how we're balancing. And right now it's a constant reframing in our minds versus 2019, let's say, when we were having it all and we dropped the kids off at school and we knew for eight hours we had to be a superwoman and then we would come back home and kick ass as moms. But right now there's just this constant reframing. So to even have the conversation of having it all is so unfair to us. It's yeah. so unfair. Other people get to, there's some 19 year old white boy who's living his best life right now, going to parties and everything. And he doesn't have to worry about what it means to be a working mom or deal with anything like that. So he doesn't have to worry about what having it all looks like. So it's unfair for us to even have these conversations when it comes to mothers and how we need to have it all right now. We're going through a pandemic. You know, (laughs) I know lately, like having it all to me means something very different than it did a year ago. And just keeping the family healthy and getting the work done that we need to do. Maybe it's pretending that they're not on screens as much as I know they are, because confession here, I checked one of our screen time one day last week and it was, okay, wait for it, 11 hours and 30 minutes in one day. I mean, between school, which is now all day on a screen, then you do homework on a screen. And then he says, then when do I get time to relax and play my games, Right, my video games I like to play. And at the end of the day, that adds up to nearly 12 hours. And I almost fell over. I just, I just didn't, I was speechless. Still am. (laughs) No, but don't feel bad about that. Because There's such a thing that She Knows Media did a study about for Generation Z and called them quarantines. And they, these poor babies, they're extremely full of anxiety, stressed out because they are doing virtual school. They got parents running around yelling, little siblings in the background yelling, and they don't have a lot of downtime that isn't screen related because they want to connect with friends. So the number that you're sharing is actually pretty much in line with what they reported. So don't worry. Is that right? Okay. That actually makes me feel a little better, but I know I said to my husband, we are melting these kids' brains. 
it's not you. It's society melting these kids' brains. It's kind of like the office where he's, there's something wrong with the society. And Jim says, if you keep saying there's something wrong with society, but I think it's something wrong with you. And Michael says, if it's something wrong with me, then society made me that way. (laughs) Uh, You can't go wrong quoting Michael Scott. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Love that. I just think the challenges in 2020 have just been wrapped it up so much and the goals of the idea of having it all and and what's the end goal here is more just like survival these days exactly it is survival we are going through a pandemic the sky is literally orange on one part of our country just survive and i and so they're surviving and then there's like giving yourself the grace to be like yeah, okay, 12 hours of screen time, that's terrible, but we're all healthy and everybody's happy. And so we're just gonna, we're just gonna deal with that now and know that it won't last forever. Exactly. So when we think about working moms, there's so much, there's, I think the idea of, like you said, bringing your whole self to work and being really authentic. And that's almost new, because I think for a lot of working moms, we went to work in the past and tried to pretend like we were all in and not checking in with kids during the day. We were totally focused on work because that's what work expected of us. But maybe we come out of all of this COVID business and if we eventually get back to offices and things with a whole new appreciation for the whole self that people are and that they should be bringing that to work. Absolutely. What's your thought that's on that? my hope. That's my hope. And it's also my hope that we start to see some real policy changes in the government sector and in the for-profit sector. Yeah. What kind of changes specifically? Paid leave, uh, (laughs) paid leave, more childcare options, along with benefits that employers are offering. Flex work and remote work is just not enough anymore. That's that needs to be like a non-negotiable just as much as like free coffee in the office. I'm very tired of asking. I remember it was a battle to get uh, remote work in my office uh, pre-COVID. And now it's just the standard. And it's about an overwhelming majority of folks who don't want to ever go back to the office, understandably. But guess who was fighting those fights before COVID? Mothers. They're just, there are many non-negotiables and, but at the top of my list would be paid leave because there are so many people who are disproportionately affected right now by COVID, Black women being one of them. They're, they're the nurses, they're the teachers, they're the grocery store workers who are considered essential, but at the same time, God forbid, they miss time because they really don't have the opportunity to rely on paid leave. Some of them are still bringing children into the world and two weeks later, I've got to turn right back around and deal with this childcare crisis that we have right now and still go to work. Yeah, that's just mind boggling, isn't it? It's if frustrating gonna, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And if we're going to call somebody essential, then we had better be prepared to support them so that they can do that job that we so desperately need them to do. You mentioned Black women and that they've been affected disproportionately by COVID and by like just 20, the whole dumpster fire that 2020 has been in general. Um, What are you personally experiencing and what are you hearing and seeing? 
So I worked on a study with some data from Lean and found that Black women spend half a day more on childcare per week than white women, which now, since California stay-at-home orders went into effect on March 19th, that's close to 300 hours more on, in childcare than, their, than white moms. Again, those women are more likely to need access to pay leave but not have access to it. They're more at risk from a medical perspective. They're more likely than women without children to show signs of emotional and physical and cognitive and behavioral stress in the workplace, like insomnia and heart problems. They're more likely to be single moms and dealing with COVID on their own. And the absence or lack of involvement from the child's father also contributes to the decline of their maternal mental health. So there's a lot. Um, these women are also caregivers. As I was uh, mentioning to you, they often live in multi-generational households. My father lives about five minutes away, but I am his caregiver. And Lena also shared that those women are spending three, uh, three um, times the amount of hours per week caring for elderly or sick relatives. So it's very difficult to be a Black mother right now with COVID in 2020, yeah. just period, yes. What can we do about that? Where does that stem from? Because I feel like a lot of that is just is systemic and we didn't wake up in this position. We've been here all along. It's just yeah. that there's a heightened awareness around this now. Yeah. Um, in the workplace, because these women are also working moms. So in the workplace, what that looks like is showing them ambient belonging, which is a luxury that we don't always have as women of color in the office. That's that feeling where you actually belong and you feel comfortable in the workplace, where you feel accepted and valued and included. You're not the Black spokesperson. When there's civil unrest in the world, you're not the person who has to deal with the racial insensitivity of your team members towards each other. You're not the one who's wondering, who do I trust? Are these people really my friends or do they have views outside of mine when they leave the office? It's getting the coworkers who are black moms to feel like they actually belong in the workplace and then actually measuring their progress in the office because what gets measured gets done. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to say you want to be an ally, but one of the most obvious ways to be an ally is to promote these women to either middle management, executive leadership, or the board of directors and incentivize those middle managers who sometimes are the bottleneck to develop those underrepresented groups like black mothers in the workplace and promote them. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we're all seeing like more of this starting to take place as the awareness when we know better, we can do better kind of thing. Yeah. So as awareness grows, hopefully we do start to see this all improving but I feel like if we are going to be promoting people we need to there needs to be a real support system there so that we are setting them up for success and not just pushing them ahead and saying okay you wanted it go do it here's the big job because when we promote anybody they need that type of mentoring and, and help along the way Yes, and, and I apologize for that. Yes and no. So what that really means is with ambient belonging and finding allies, it's somebody who you might share an identity with. So black women and white women, both being women or black men and white men, black men and uh, black women because they're black. In-group allyship seems to statistically help a lot of Black women in the workplace when they find allies who they can 
relate to, and then colleagues who can help them feel comfortable speaking up in the workplace. Because as the minority of the workplace, sometimes they feel like imposters. Women, minorities, and young professionals are the ones who are more likely to experience imposter syndrome. So if they can find an ally who can help them get out of that mindset, all the better. And then these women aren't asking necessarily for a handout. Because Black women have proven time and time again that when they are put in leadership roles, that the companies who have them in leadership roles actually perform better from an innovation and revenue perspective than companies without. And these women are definitely forward thinking. There's statistics that prove time and time again, their their income growth is higher actually than white mothers. Their percentage growth is growing at a faster rate. So they're educated. They're starting businesses. It's not that they need a handout. They definitely just need a hand up. They need support. And it's support from somebody who has the ability to influence and who can serve as an an in-group ally for them because that ally is going to draw attention to an issue that perhaps their peers wouldn't take significant enough if it was coming from that Black mom. Mm -hmm. I love the phrase ambient belonging. I have not heard that before, but it makes a ton of sense. And um, I really love that idea. Also, the idea of like in-group allyship, I think that's really cool. I know when I worked with graduate school women in business and we would advise them, we talked about like specific strategies they could use at work or in the classroom to help make sure each other's voices were heard because often they were sometimes shy about speaking out or just felt like I can't get a word in because all of the men speak up first and speak louder and So one of the things I love that we used to encourage women to do was when somebody else says something, when another woman expresses her perspective, you can back that up by saying, as Christine just said, blah, 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 and you just repeat it, but it's just amplifying their voice and lending support to what somebody else said to make sure that it doesn't get glossed over or that somebody else doesn't get the credit for the idea of it. And so I always thought that was a really effective strategy in the workplace and in a classroom. Yeah, that's a great idea. When you work with companies, who is doing this well, retaining women and promoting them and supporting them? And what is it that they're doing differently than others? I think I can't speak to a specific company, but I can speak to an industry. So tech companies because they tend to be smaller in size and scrappier and more innovative and uh, more let's rapidly test something and evolve it as it goes. Some of their policies tend to be that way too for their employees. And in California, there's a whole collective of different companies under a fam tech umbrella where, or parents in tech, where it's just companies that are dedicated to making the workplace more inclusive for parents. I, whenever I'm asked that question, I always say, look at tech companies and what they're doing and follow suit. And sure enough, when COVID, um, when it was determined that it was going to last through the summer, the first companies to say, my employees won't go back until 2021 at a minimum were Twitter and Google. So um, always look to tech companies to be the first ones and to be at the forefront of what it means to actually support parents in the workplace. 
Black women, there's a little bit of work to be done there when it comes to tech, but parents in the workplace, those are absolutely the ones who, who do a great job. Great. Yeah, I think tech is leading the way so many fronts these days. It's really just interesting. I think the there's just a different mindset, I think, in a lot of those companies that have experienced really fast growth versus yeah. some of the older, more established companies. Not that they can't be innovative, too, because I do see some of them doing very innovative things and trying new things. But I feel like tech just approaches business with a more almost experimental and a higher risk tolerance than a lot of those older, more established companies. And that can mean great things for employee policies and benefits. If you were to advise, and this is a very broad brush question, but like looking at corporate America in general and advising them on what they can do to be more family friendly as a whole, I know you mentioned paid leave and flex work. What are like what are some of the things that could really move a needle for working moms? Oh gosh. At the very I think one of the lowest hanging fruits, again, but this should be a non-negotiable, yet I still have to say it because some companies don't enforce it, is rem- remote work or flex work. And then scheduling meetings during, there are obvious business hours, but then there are even within those hours, critical times and not so critical times. And scheduling meetings after three o'clock to me makes absolutely no sense. Those are easy changes that a company can do without having to formally change any of their benefits. But one of the most needed to me right now is emergency child care. So having some type of plan in place or emergency assistance program for employees who get themselves into a pickle and providing them with some type of emergency child care. But also, it does go on the mom too. There is some responsibilities on the mom to bring their authentic selves to work because what ends up happening is this vicious cycle where moms aren't using the benefits and then the employers stop investing in those benefits because they're no longer tracking them and they're no longer tracking them because the mothers aren't using them. So it's there's work that needs to be done on both sides. Yeah. Do you think that women are afraid to take advantage of some of those benefits? Why I think they happening? are. I think they are. I think they are. There's still a stigma about that. Uh, but I think that things are improving. I think that things won't improve overnight, but things are improving. Yeah. I love that we've seen even companies that are starting to implement paternal leave and mandating that some of that time be used because they're, because men were experiencing a stigma against taking that time. And of course, not every company has a benefit like that. But for those that do, it's nice when you see them saying, it's here, you need to take it. That's right. Um, or the other thing I think is particularly effective there is when you have leadership who says, I'm going to take this, right? I I need this time off. I need to take a break. I need a vacation. I'm going to be out of touch next week while I enjoy my family. Mental health days, right? I'm guilty of it. I need to take more mental health days myself. Yeah, gosh, yeah. 
after this year, <laughs> we all need mental health. Right. Fantastic. I feel like there's been so much great stuff here that you have shared, and we've covered a lot of things that are important to working moms. Any parting advice to women as they are out there juggling all the demands of work and family and mental health in 2020? I would just say that you know that you are not alone. My son just burst into the room fussing at me about something. We are all in this together. And if all you did this morning was sit up and and your kids survived the day, then you still did something quite fantastic. Um, <laughs> we're, we're living through a pandemic right now and unprecedented homeschooling. And you know, we are dealing, even prior to COVID, we were dealing with more challenges than previous generations. So I just find mothers phenomenal. And the fact that they seem to get up every day and continue to thrive is phenomenal to me. So all the mothers listening, you always have a fan in me. Awesome. I, I love that encouragement. I think everybody needs that. And particularly now with so much going on in the world, it's great to see people like you, Christine, who are doing this seemingly very well. And oh, bless your heart. <laughs> You're juggling an awful lot between elder care and raising children as a single mom and work and everything. And so that's really amazing. And it's great for us to have role models like you to look at and, and see all of that. And yet here you talk in a very real way about this is hard and I'm just trying to figure it all out. I think that's really reassuring because sometimes we look around and see other people doing it and it looks like it's so easy for her or she's doing this perfectly and I'm not. Yeah. So that's um, right. I think there's real voices of, Hey, this is hard and I'm, and I'm not good at it every day are really important for people to hear. Thank you for all of the work that you're doing advocating for working moms. And um, Thank you very much. Yeah. And great to have you here with us and we will you know, look forward to watching all of the great things you continue to do and reading all of the great writing that you're putting out and look forward to continuing to hear your voice advocating in this space. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Subscribe to our email list at backtobusinessconference.com for weekly job search advice. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. You can find all the information from this episode in our show notes at www.backtobusinessconference.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review so that we can reach more people. Now that you know how, go do it.